everyone. Welcome to the Pod and Point podcast, a show about sports, business, and the business of sports. My name is Vladimir Bosanitz, and I'm coming to you from the Jet City in Seattle. Hello, my name is Mike McPhee. I'm located in the Mile High City of Denver, Colorado. And good evening. This is uh, Anand Punjabi coming here from the Big Smoke in London, England. On today's show, we interview Philip Walter, the CEO of Munich-based Gamers Academy. Philip will talk to us about what his company is doing in the world of esports how this industry is rapidly changing, and what we can expect to see from his firm and others in the years to come. But before we have our conversation with Philip, Anand, Mike, and I will have a few perspectives to share, so stay tuned. The game is starting. All right, gents, we've got a we've got a fun show today, and I want to just kick things off with, with some openers and just kind of get your guys' quick take on them. So... Uh, I'm going to start out with what's happening uh, with the Wichita State. In fact, it's a really nice nickname, the Wichita State Shockers, because yeah. a little story <laughs> emerged this week that I, I find no word other than shocking. Wanted to throw this out there. So so the basketball coach, um, Coach Marshall, he's been there for maybe the better part of this decade, and he's had some real success, brought Wichita State to the front page. They're a top program now, not top 10, but call them 10 through 20. And a couple years back, he had been accused of of a number of things, of harassing a player, maybe some racial some racial words, I think grabbing somebody by the neck. Wichita State brings in third-party law firm. Investigation concludes. We don't never, hear any never a good results. Sign. We don't hear any results. And this week it comes out that they're, he's resigning. Okay, good. Move on. Time to move on. <laughs> but... He's resigning with a $7.75 million settlement. And gentlemen, we're talking the business of sports, but what we talk about with NCAA and the money's being just all out of whack, how does a guy that's had enough for him to walk away um, leave with a $7.75 million buyout? How does that happen? Yeah. I'm left speechless nearly. I can't analyze it yeah. from a business point of view other than say they just not want the hit to the brand if the findings publish. I mean, what what say you? I You know, shocking, uh, no pun intended here, but it is shocking. And I think, you know, one of the things that y- y- we, we all know that if any one of us ever were to get laid off, especially laid off for cause, you know, you, you wouldn't get any severance. <laughs> you would you'd be fired, kicked incredible. out, right? It's incredible. Th- th- this is this this is incredible. And and I don't know, you know, obviously this was just sort of here, we'll give you this and just go away, you know, leave our world and we will leave your world. Um, but um, I, I don't, I don't get it. And I don't understand why these schools don't, don't push back harder on this, especially when, uh, Clearly, they found out something that was, you know, deep enough to have him have him let go. But this is an out of court uh, settlement, right? Is that correct? Yeah, it, it there wasn't any court. They didn't go to court, and that would have dragged and that would have dragged, you know, the university through the mud. Um, they didn't publish the findings from the law firm because that would have dragged the whole scene through the mud. And it just came out as a story this week. He's walking away, but the settlement is is nearly eight million. So that ultimately means he was never accused of anything, right? If there's if there's nothing public, there's nothing published, then officially he was never accused of anything, or he or, or rather it was all it was all allegations. I think from a court of law perspective, you're right. You're right. Just internal internal investigation. They probably uncovered stuff. They probably got some testimonials from a bunch of players, probably from other people that work with him. They probably corroborated some stuff, you know, and they have enough on him to basically tell him, look, either you go or we let you go. And they gave him the option to go. But I, I think, you know, paying him seven and a half million dollars to go That's away. Insane. Again, I think this is, it just looks sort of ugly. And it's, you know, um, you know, n- n- none of these, let's say one of one of these kids, let's say a player does something, right. And is forced out of the school. Like, you know, you're unceremoniously, kick to the curb and you know this guy gets paid for it i mean that that's just incredible do you know what package he was on do you know what kind of salary he was on oh well but the this is not a big guys time are guy. in the millions per year so okay so he, he he'd probably po- been somewhere three four million well no the, the largest name so your coach k they're at eight nine million a year so well even yeah. if he was at a couple million i think the point here is that he had no trouble affording and appointing very good legal well, team. No question. So one can only assume his legal team, you know, went to work and ensured that he got 
what he wanted, which was a great financial settlement. He may not work again in collegiate sports, right, with all these accusations. Yeah, yeah he might have to bump so, up to the pro yeah, game likely, or something else likely. to get back into hoops, but... Yeah, so at least he's at least he's financially covered for, you know, life <laughs> at least, and if not, you know, yeah, another generation sure. or two. Yeah. That's sad. I think it's sad. I'm going to stay with the with the with the hoop story here a little bit also. So this week, big news NBA draft and NBA draft, uh free yeah. agency kind of kicks off, so that's going to really change the landscape of the sport, I think, very very quickly. Yeah. One thing that I've noticed that's happening more and more is a lot of these uh, you know, players are now coming in and you're seeing kind of these shorter contracts with these kind of one-year, two-year options coming up. Right. Um, there's some rumors, of course. We don't know what happens until all of them kind of decide what they're going to do. But some rumors that some of these big-time players are, you know, choosing their options, you know, not to renew. And they think they're going to go into the sort of free market and kind of maximize the revenue and right. find a better team. My two cents on all of that, I think there's a little bit too much of players playing the general manager role uh and they're kind of like you know picking their favorite buddies and who they want to play with next and i'm not sure that really wins championships um good that they have this ability right that they have this type of you know freedom but i think you're you're probably going to see because of that uh shorter living dynasties right because you're going to get you know some of these guys who really think that they are you know, the reason that, 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 that their team won and they're going to start mm-hmm. leaving. So, you know, Mike, as you and I know from the Bay Area, you know, um, Kevin Durant did something like this, right? Left the Warriors sort of at their height. Looks like Anthony Davis is looking at options, right? Uh, Rajon, Rajon Rondo, is that, is that, is that how I, pr- I always mispronounce his name? I apologize, but, but he's also looking to maybe go to the Clippers from the Lakers. He's already won with the Celtics prior to that, right? Um, yeah, so you know, my 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 kind of thing here is that it it'd be nicer if if there was a little bit more sort of longer term outlook for uh, some of these players versus just kind of one and dones and looking to find a better deal somewhere else. What 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 do you guys think about that? Yeah, you know, you you hit on an interesting one there with the Bay Area. You know, Kevin Durant. There was a we don't need to go quick into his story, but. The, the Brooklyn Nets didn't even know he wanted to come there. He told them, I'm coming, you know, on, on the <laughs> right. day of his free agency announcement. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm your guy. And and so he played he played mm-hmm. the real GM, not right. even kind of like an implied GM. Wait, they're, wait, okay, you're good. They're like, we'll wait, wait, what? Um, you know, Nets are trying to maybe get Harden, so they're trying to engineer an Irving, Durant, Harden, you know, trifecta there, which will win a lot of games. But as you said, will it win championships? Um, I think the GM role is important, and um, this this certainly they're trying to discount it. And I, I, I'm a fan of their freedoms, but I'm not sure it's gonna to bear the, the ultimate fruit, which is you know to, to hold up that trophy and at the end of the year. I have two quick questions. Yeah. The guys who are purported to be looking at these types of contracts have they already won championships? Is there Ooh. a pattern here where it's guys who have won championships? Yeah, so so it's usually it's usually the ones once they've won it at least recently, and I'm talking sure. like you know last five years sure. or so. That seems to be the trigger for like okay, now we've won. If you really want me, you either do this or I walk kind of deal, yes. right? And so we saw Kyrie Irving leave you know Cleveland uh, right after they were I mean really really at the top, and I think it really kind of was the, the 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 first undoing of that team, I would argue. Um and then it prompted obviously, you know, LeBron to leave shortly. But now you're talking, you know, Anthony Davis, um, Rondo from from the Lakers are both potentially, you know, even um Dwight Howard, right? I think he's he's also exploring he's also exploring things. But, you know, Kevin Durant left, uh left the Warriors and it and it just, you know, becomes a little bit of like you know, let's see if I can sort of go play with my buddies somewhere else, maybe in Philadelphia or Boston or uh, it's 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 happening more and more, it seems like. Well, I guess the loyalty to their own personal brand is where the mindset is as opposed to loyalty to a contract that they've signed or loyalty to a team or a city or a set of so. fans, right? Yeah, it seems so. Everyone seems to be, everyone seems to be, as you guys say, drinking their own Kool-Aid, Um you know, promoting themselves on social media. They have, you know, endorsements. It's all about them. Uh, yeah. And the agents, and I, am I right in saying that, that their agents um, earn a cut oh, whenever sure. they move somewhere Absolutely. and sign a new Absolutely. contract? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you can yes. be sure that their and agents will be, will be agitating yeah. for, uh, 
yeah, for let's for trigger booths. another transaction here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a transaction, yeah. right? They make money um, in it when there's a transaction. Another big one, uh, um, Kawhi, yeah. Kawhi Leonard, right? Moved After over to winning mm-hmm. in Toronto, mm-hmm. you know, promptly left the following year to the Clippers. So it sounds like there's a pattern. Um, so, sounds yeah. like I've 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 yeah, got the ring, yeah, no, it, it, and now I'm gonna do whatever I want. I'll always be remembered as an it. NBA champion. Now, now go for the fun and the yes. dough. That's it. That's it. Not necessarily <laughs> a bad thing. I mean, I'm 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 indifferent. I'm indifferent to you know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, if I if I've reached the pinnacle, so to speak, I've won the highest honor in my in my sport. I'm going to try something else now. Yeah, the the only the only thing I would say um it's it's really really difficult to build chemistry. Um I, I think it's like, you know, predicting predicting the weather, right? You you think something can happen or something might be happening, but but then it's really hard to make it happen. And I think a lot of these players discount that because there there could be just something about the chemistry with a certain team that just exists and then one little variable leaves that group and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's uh it's off right and and I just think that that's that's the part that that's going to probably make these championships run be a lot shorter so we're probably going to see more teams win it but they're not going to be you know for a period of time like back in the day when the Lakers and the Celtics yeah. and you know dominated a certain era and maybe or, that's good. or the Bulls right and maybe that's good more maybe that's good teams win exactly teams yeah win. So 2021, 2021, apparently we're going to have uh-huh. an Olympics finally. Uh, I want to ask you guys, what do you guys think? Let's take a quick poll here between the three of us. Who thinks the Tokyo Olympic Games is actually going to go ahead? I'm going to vote no, it does not happen. How about you, Vlad? I think a version of it happens, um, a, a, a very light version of it happens. I'll switch my vote. I'll go with okay. that version. The light, Olympics light. Okay. Olympics like. <laughs> okay, Olympics like. So that means so that means we are going to have we are going to have an Olympics game. Uh, yeah. An Olympic games. Now, second question, will we have fans in attendance in the stadiums at the Olympics? That's the question I'd like to ask you guys. What do you think? Well, I'm going to say no way. Um you know, there's some stories about, you know, the vaccine and this and, you know, we're going to have it and great, great news. I, you know, all of us here have either started business or been part of startup businesses in the past. We all know that everything you do when that's that's new and innovative takes sort of double the time and double the money. If somebody's telling you it's going to take six months to do something, that probably means it's going to take a year <laughs> at least. So, Mike, what do you think? Do you think we'll have fans? With what we've seen with all these bubbles and, and, and the media deals driving, getting back onto the courts, I'm going to say they're going to be satisfied with getting the games kicked off, but not necessarily people in the building. So the media deal will drive okay. this thing going. So today, Thomas Bach, uh, the uh, IOC chief, um, spoke to the media, and they said they're working on a plan to safely get – all 11,000 athletes uh, from the 206 National Olympic Committees around the world and a large number of fans into Tokyo uh, in time for the Olympics. And he says, says, now that we know we have two viable vaccines, we're going to make sure everyone is vaccinated or we're going to hope to ensure everyone is vaccinated uh, prior prior to them arriving in Tokyo. Now, let's, let's think about this here for a minute, okay? Vaccines typically take 10 years to develop, okay? The quickest vaccine ever developed, I think, was for the measles, and that took four years, okay? Now, I fully appreciate many billions of dollars is going into the coronavirus vaccine. I get that. Even if we have a stage one, you know, vaccine that appears to work across a large number of people, how are countries like Eritrea and Estonia going to get their hands on enough doses of this vaccine and are they really going to prioritize a 19 year old handball player over their entire medical community uh, elderly community um just for the sake of the olympic games i'm just talking about the athletes here never mind all the ticket holders right now anand i i think actually it's sad to say i think the answer to that is probably yes um, because what, what, what's probably happening here is that I, I think um, a, a host city, if I'm not mistaken, or a host country allocates a certain number of tickets to each country, yes. right? And to each, each um, kind of uh, um, Olympic Correct. committee. 
and and I can see them kind of basically making sure if if you so if you're allocated you know let's say ten thousand tickets you need to make sure that all the people in that country are vaccinated, and I can also see in some of these countries where these athletes are are treated as extra special you know, a, a sort of a you know a yeah extra special okay. and and they and they might get it. But I, I just, I just, but not I, the fan, I surely. I, I don't, I don't surely, buy it. Surely, surely, yeah, we're not going to get full houses. We may no. not even have These, any fans in in there. It's July. It's six or seven months away. If they do this right, they'll do it in a bunch of bubbles. And uh, but I think the stadium is going to be empty. You know what I think would happen? I th- here's what I think your your version of Olympics light is going to look like. It's going to be local Japanese fans. Who've been vaccinated? Okay. <laughs> well, it makes Maybe sense. So. It's their local, right. it's their so. local, local but, games, right? I, yeah. I, I can see that happening. We'll see. Dignitaries, yeah. you know. We'll see the plans evolve. We'll, we'll have some fun, kind of seeing what happens, some of the business side of that. Yeah, it's Here it's going to go. be very interesting to see. Good one, gents. Fabulous. Well, let's uh, let's keep this show rolling, huh? Vlad and I really enjoy doing the Pot on Point podcast, and we hope that you like listening to us gab about our favorite subjects, sports, pop culture and business. We hope that you also learn something from our experiences and that we bring the forefront important news about the industries that in many ways shape our lives each and every day. If you like our podcast, please subscribe and tell your friends, family members, and colleagues about it. Write a review and let us know what you think about our work and how we can make it better. You can also suggest stories that we should be picking up. Our contact information is in the show notes. Thank you for your time. And thank you for letting us know how we can be on point. Up next is our guest and Gamers Academy founder, Philip Walter. He transitioned from the analog sports world into digital sports, and his company's mission is to boost gamers' skills. After 10-plus years in managerial roles at Adidas and building up Under Armour Germany, Philip responded to some supportive nudges from Mike Lee, founder of MyFitnessPal, to start his own company. His extremely passionate and experienced team brings decades of sports, tech, and gaming to the German headquarters in Munich each and every day. So let's see how they disrupt this extremely fast-growing category. Game on. Here is Philip Walter. Philip, how's it going? I'm very good. I'm very good in the beautiful Munich. I'm good. How are you? Excellent, excellent. I'm in beautiful Seattle. Uh, we have a little bit of rain here, but that's kind of you know how it goes here every day. So nothing, nothing unusual. And we're joined with Mike in Denver. Denver, what's going on, Denver? <laughs> is it 80 degrees or is it 13 degrees today? Well, just uh, each day we might go up or down. Today we're in. We're going to be in 73 today and sunny, so it's beautiful. There you go. And then Anand, London is London like, like Seattle today, or what's what's happening? Well, we're more or less at the same latitude as you in Seattle, and uh, you know, you have a big ocean in front of you, uh, <laughs> the Pacific. We have the Atlantic, uh, you know, bringing the prevailing winds and rain in, but uh, no rain today, so no complaints. Okay, good, good, excellent. Well, um, Philip, uh, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. Um, so, by way of introduction, tell us a little bit about you know what you're doing at Gamers Academy, what what the company does, and how the genesis of the company. Uh, you know, started how how you came up with 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 the idea. Yeah, my name is Philip. Uh, founded the Gamers Academy based out of a thought, which I come to in a second, um, as basically a platform, a digital platform to train gamers. Our mission is to to make every gamer his best. And um, yeah, coming from my industry, I speak to in a second about it from the sporting good industry. I kind of hybriding into into from an analog football, analog sports world into the digital space. And it all started off actually um, as a as a first thought back then at Under Armour. Um, I had the pleasure to build up Under Armour um, Germany, Austria, Switzerland called Dach, um, 2014 actually, uh, out of my role at Adidas. And and Under Armour acquired a really really cool um, uh, platform for nutrition capturing called My Fitness Pal. And the founder Mike Lee became more and more my mentor and. Um, as we at here in the local area used my fitness pal for a couple of uh, topics like media partnerships research yeah and he became the mentor as back then uh, he was the cdo at at under armor and then we okay. talked about what ideas could be coming out of this as an entrepreneur basically and um, this is how it started we looked into different kind of athletes um, niche athletes and some some data of growth and then we we thought let's train gamers 
and this is how Gamers Academy started. Interesting, interesting. So, so it came from kind of this um, uh, thing that you guys identified, which is to help gamers be better at, at what they do, which makes sense, right? In uh, esports, um, what were some of the you know parameters as you guys were looking at that and evaluating to say you know this is important now versus that will be important later on? How how did how did you guys come up come up with that? I mean, back then, you know, um, we were. We normally talking to normal or analog athletes from like in the training, fitness, football, or you call it soccer world. But then when you look at growth rates of, of, of other sports, it's called it, um, and you looked at growth rates um, in this field and the number just was insane. You have around 410,000 new gamers every day. So it's wow. just it's just huge. Yeah? Um, the gamers is is from uh, someone who wow. plays Subway Surfer on, on the phone to plays Oculus or Wii or obviously Fortnite and Counter Strike on on PCs and obviously console gaming. It's just huge already with 2.5 billion people game, and then you have 400,000 every day growing, and this is just a massive growth. Um, but also financially, when you looked at the industry size. It's just huge, 170 billion roughly, globally. And at that base, there's actually no other industry growing faster. I think electric um, uh, electric mobility is is similar, but all these you know meta views on on the industry and on the consumer just were so um, astonishing. And when you said 176 billion, that's uh... Is is that U.S. dollars? This is the sort of the size of the market. Now, now, now we can do the the European one. Uh, this is not euro. This is uh, for the sake of <laughs> of this amazing podcast today. This is U.S. dollar. Yeah, um, hundred hundred sixty nine. Yeah. I think is the number, and uh, and growing. Uh, you know, with a with the twelve twelve percent Kager, um, uh, it's just um, um, phenomenal what's what's doing there. Um, but it's yes, it's U.S. dollar. Yeah, and you guys are you know, obviously based in based in Munich, but but you um, your focus is obviously global, correct? And it just in terms of the the audience, uh, do you have people on your on your platform, and where where are they? Yeah, this is a good thing about a digital product. The platform can pretty much uh, um, ignore any boundaries besides language, obviously. So the product promise is very simple um, on that one. No language uh, actually translation needed. Secondly, looking at the key markets for us, currently I come to, we focus on eFootball, FIFA 21. Um, there's obviously markets okay. across the globe, which and our customers are uh, mainly in these it's football slash eFootball relevant markets as they overlap, meaning uh, US, UK, Mexico, and Europe. Um, so no surprise on these markets, I'd say, from also soccer slash um, analog football world. Uh, we operate in these um, pre-balanced, I'd say. While we do have some German uh, focus areas based on uh, our main, you know, coach slash um, content creator Moalba, uh, which we come to maybe later. So that's pretty much international on our side. Um, we the term the, the team here is German. Yes, we do have a French, but also um, some uh, you know American experienced people in the team. So I went to school in San Diego. Uh, my wife always in the US. So we try to you know be very internationally minded. Uh, social media is, is global product is global. So, so no boundaries besides language. Hey, so, so Philip, super interesting category that, that you, you shared some of the metrics, you know, 170 billion in, in annual sales and, and Vlad and, and, and Anand and I have seen that as we've, we've kind of stood up our, our, our pod talking about different things and esports being on our space. You know, you're, you're starting with football and, and not getting into your, your strategies as to which industry you may go into next, but what are some of the inflection points that you think about scaling to potential another sport or moving over to a different gaming genre? Uh, I, I really heavily believe in having a focus. Um, to be really good at something, um, focus is, is a key one. So before entering um, every other gaming opportunities, and I, we do have some good numbers on, on what are the next ones and, um, and how the cadence is, I believe in a um, a good formula needs to work in the niche first. So the formula currently right now is you need to build credibly for pretty much organic content only a community. And um, the community aspect um, is very important to us. Second, you need an ambassador who actually helps us to scale um, in a, from a credibility perspective, but also from a reach perspective very fast. 
And thirdly, you need to have an amazing product. These components, these three really make sense for us to focus on football or e-football, meaning FIFA right now um, first, um, because then you can prove the case. So, and it's working, right? So we, we have some attraction, a couple of thousand members and revenues and stuff, but in that, in that niche first. The, the goal is clearly, um, and happy to, to give a little bit of insight in the strategy, is that you can replicate the model in the most promising other games you refer to. Some um, direction would be uh, sport simulations, meaning NBA 2Ks, um, Maddens, NHLs, uh, so on and so forth. You do FPS, of first-person shooters could come, right? Strategy games. Um, there's also some new kids or not new kids but interesting compositions like rocket league so there's some things which are esports title versus just gaming um, we believe focus first deliver um the formula out of community ambassador um and, and product first and then we can go into the next game let's hone in on one of those legs of the stool that, that partnership you have with mo alba you know so he's for our listeners he's what he's the the fifa e-world cup 2019 champion um, he certainly lends credibility to your venture. So, so he's got that ambassador side, but I'm going to guess he also helps the team on, on what to focus on. Could you, could you talk about how that partnerships worked for you and, 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 and help our listeners understand that a little bit? Great uh, call out. Obviously more, more, he's a, uh not only the current uh, FIFA world champion and, and also had an amazing start in, in the FIFA weekend league. Uh, so he's extremely successful that is always you know it's not a marketing thing he's extremely successful hence uh, it, it gives credibility second obviously um we call it the game influencers oh yes he's an esports athlete and not like a streamer and stuff but he does utilize his uh, reach in the social uh, channels so in, in twitch um, youtubes and on instagram and even twitter these are the four main channels and that actually besides credibility um, when we have um, the appropriate stories to tell in these his channels, um, this gives us also reach. So we can, it's a pretty normal and actually boring mathematical formula of, of, of what works there. When he puts his content on, on an Insta story and swipes and we know exactly the numbers, pretty much uh, the, the story he puts, he actually knows uh, what traffic comes to us. We actually can calculate the revenue. That's the second part. Uh, but most importantly, this leads us to the current product is his feedback and product insights as an, as an esports athlete, pretty much um, he gives the best um, product development insights or feedback to us because our current product besides uh, um, tutorials and content is actually, we call it the, um, the guitar hero for FIFA. So we call it the skill game. And this was basically co-developed with him. And it's very easy. We just have um, connect uh, a controller to a cell phone, tablet, MacBook, whatever. And then we compare the data inputs on the controller with, um, with what he basically set for this specific exercise as the benchmark. And the difference between his, let's call it the ideal um, execution of the Rabona or the heel to heel, these are specific eFootball uh, moves, and what the, what the user does you then basically get an accuracy score. And this product was developed by, by him and the team. So this role in product creation is very important um, for us as, as a team. So the skill game wouldn't be there without uh, having him, yeah. Can I ask a follow-up question, if I may, actually, just following on from Mike's head. Um, you mentioned uh, Philip. Mo has had a very strong input into, it seems, the you know, the, the, the core functionality of this training game, for example, he's considered the benchmark by which so-called amateur players can measure their ability against. Will you be incorporating, or maybe you are already incorporating, any machine learning or any uh, algorithmic learning um, uh, into your platform? Because I imagine ultimately one would expect the computer to be able to be a better player than a human at some point, if not already. And there's there's two amazing aspects of, of your great question. Uh, one is obviously the whole data component. This this is why we're doing it. Yeah, it's it, it is it is the underlying um, hypothesis, right? These data, when you collect them, you clean them. That that's obviously normal, right? The the most important part where we basically um, focus on right now is give you a result, give you feedback. Um, consider like a personal trainer, right? So you do your push-up and your personal trainer doesn't say, 
yes, great or bad. He actually gives you advice how you should position your body, where your elbows are positioned, what do you do with your head, right? So the interpretation of the performance, that is something we focus on. While we then have a recommendation system of what you should be doing next. So meaning you, when you really not good in some of the offensive skill moves in our game, we will recommend you our tutorials, how to do more offense um, work. Um, secondly, you actually might be guided, uh, will be guided to other exercises in the skill game to train on. So consider like an intelligent uh, person training gaming. Um, that, that's the data and recommendation aspect of it. In terms of what machine does, for sure. But what we also know about gaming, right? All these cheating through, um, in the FPS world, for example, I think Valorant bans thousands of thousands of gamer, gamers a day for, for bots and aimbots and being pretty much illegal, right? While, while it comes, um, it becomes more and more professional making big money in, in, in esports. All these things, you know, doping in, in, in Tour de France or some other aspects, meaning cheating is illegal. So our aim isn't to program a machine which succeeds these tricks um, um, or skill moves in the best manner. It actually is about improving very fast um, our audience in certain, in this case, these skill moves. Um, because muscle memory, this would be um, the, the word for it, you pretty much need to have intuitively learned what to do and how to do it uh, like in any sport right so i know we have some athletes here in the call and and when you cannot just go through free, free throw line and, and shoot it you have to do it thousands of thousands of times and our our basketball here in the country Dirk Nowitzki, right here uh, all his summer breaks it was about thousands of shoots just for free throws so this is kind of the idea behind it you you practice your muscles so it becomes a, a um, automation for the skill moves because when you're in game under pressure and, and really, really need it, you cannot think about what do I have to press and how do I do it? Where's the position? You actually have to just perform it. So that's why the machine aspect, yes, we do learn from the data, our recommendation system works, but then actually we want to train very fast, meaning boosting the skills of our, of our gamer. Uh, Philip, uh, as a as a quick follow up to that, how do you guys then measure? How do you know what are some of these skills that that have to be built? Is it is it going to you know advance from working with people like Mo in the future, or are you going to find others like him who provide this type of advice? You know, where 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 do you find this you know resource of information that tells you, yeah, would they need to work on this or they need to work on that, and how do you prioritize that? So. First of all, so we got a, yes, we got the, the initial team mentioned, but we do have also professional um, esports athletes on our roster. So on our team, it's Kevin. He's a former European champion. He's pretty much now a product manager. We do have lots of people in the team, whether it's rookies, also our interns are called rookies, um, or even ours. We, we pretty much know what you do when you're under pressure. So they play Weekend League, which is the global uh, FIFA 21 tournament every weekend they know how to uh, what is important some of the skill moves are just showing off so we actually categorize them into most effective skills accumulating skills and pro skills so some of them are actually the basic the most effective you need to have so the accumulating skills you just brag you just show off and so but this is just from a career perspective of these these skill moves um, we actually launching uh, a fourth category very soon which is called famous goals um, and considered as a as a bridge between what happens in currently in empty soccer stadiums and and in virtual um, in our game, we mimic or replay a goal which was scored um, by Gareth Bale back in Tottenham. Right now, he scored a goal. We replicated um, in our skill game, and and the audience as a fan engagement tool, kind of the audience is asked to uh, mimic the goal. Uh, of Gareth Bay from real life in our game. Right. While mimicking it, right. Right. He, he or she trains. So that's kind of the, the whole training aspect. And to your question regarding recommendations, we do believe the, we have in-house the experience to know from, from scores, what we see from the data, what is um, basically needed to, to pimp up your game. What have been the big milestones uh, that you have seen in the industry, say over the last 
it's, it's relatively short industry, I suppose. Let's say the last five years, three to five years. What have been some of the big, big milestones uh, that have prompted you to think about getting into the industry and maybe acting as a marker for where you think things may be heading? The, the good thing about gaming was esports, right? So the, the, the category itself is gaming. The professional side of it is esports. Just I, I know you know, but yes. from a just it's very simple to define or differentiate. It's like amateur sports and then pro sports. So at some point, everybody got into into amateur sports, whether you're in school, um, a university, and so on and so forth. And then some might be actually good and get scholarships or even more in playing uh, in the big leagues. So this this is a trend obviously happening also. There's uh, uh, markets which are more advanced on this, South Korea, for example, China, but also obviously uh, in the US. Um, this happens. So people understood, wow, that's actually um, um, professional uh, professionalism coming. So meaning brands come in, um, understand, wow, there's actually stadiums or um, uh, venues full of 10 to 50,000 people of of a very different audience than you get in a, in a soccer stadium. This is a totally different audience. I'm, I'm not sure about, don't take it, this is not scientifically proven, but it might be 40, 45 uh, average the, in the stadium. But when you go into some of these, you know, um, fastly growing um, esports venues, you're more the 2025. So uh, just on this trend became um, actually um, from other countries, then Europe wasn't leading the way there. But sawing, uh, seeing what's possible in, in younger audience engagement through their life, and actually the, this, is, this, is, this is their life, right? So the games happen in their amateur, they game a little bit, and then they see the, sh the, the heroes. This is a phenomenon which I can take from my previous 15 years of sporting good industry of you want to strive up to your idol you, you inspire the leo messi's Nowitzki's, the tiger woods so on and so forth but it's so far but actually in these in these venues you you see uh, your heroes so that is a trend which obviously came across uh, towards uh, from asia as well as in, in happening in the us that that is a trend which was fastly growing um, and become actually more platform. Big brands uh, went into it, um, uh, uh, buying equity, celebrities buying equity in, in some of the clans uh, in the US and also Europe. David Beckham just uh, bought, bought equity and Guild, one of the two um, um, uh, companies listed in the stock market. That is basically a trend yeah. summary, which I'm sure you, you might know, but this is something I observed, let's say, as a, as a passive guy from the outside. Second, you saw... Uh, Twitch, for example, a channel where where audience, um, I'm just pretty much in the audience space, right? So everything is connected to the audience, uh, um, seeing their heroes and, and uh, going into sports and venues and events. Second, um, Twitch is such a raw, authentic, um, I just share my gameplay and I am who I am, far more authentic than most other social media channels. Um, that's why also TikTok actually works really well. It's authentic. Yeah? Instagram and Facebook are pretty much advertising platforms and, and brands go on there and actually grandmas, right? So anyway, the second thing was Twitch. How Twitch, I think as a, as a bit uh, uh, acquisition by Amazon back then for okay money is now, uh, I think they're planning to stream football um, or soccer um, and, and games. Uh, they do cooking shows on there. So it actually became a new, completely surprising new channel up there. The second thing. And then third milestone, um, yeah, fortunately, unfortunately, uh, I have two hearts in me on this one was obviously COVID. Uh, um, it, it actually um, um, had a big impact, um, at least in Europe. We had a, yeah, a rough year, I'd say. And, and when it became about you have to stay at home, right? It was about how do I spend time? Yes, you, you obviously have your Netflix, but obviously you were going to Twitch and you game. So while COVID has so many hard impacts on society and on the world, but on the people but what happened there for the, for the gaming esports industry it boosted gaming participation um, uh, media spending time on some of the channels but obviously no no big esports physical tournaments uh, could take place however you were forced to basically um, come up with new concepts you basically uh, you had to pretty much have two hundred fifty thousand dollar prize money tournaments online. You you had competitions and scout for becoming the next hero. So all digital products in that sense, even for uh, also for esports, really got um, through the milestone of 
COVID forcing us to stay at home got really boosted. And um, like in any disruption, this isn't coming from the human being from inside. This comes from, from we are forced to basically change. So this, I would say, a, a, a longer answer to your very, very good question, what milestones or trends I saw from observing trends of young people just liking to play, seeing the heroes, and then obviously moving into how Twitch became so important to them. And thirdly, seeing COVID as a, as a, as a pretty much a big injection um, for, for, for the growth. So you did you did tell us, uh, you know, in in this in this uh, fantastic answer you gave us these insights that you've given us, and even earlier you talked about um, the revenue. You know, you said we're looking at, you know, getting up to two hundred billion dollars now. You know, heading 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 north of one fifty, one seventy. Um, you mentioned over four hundred thousand new gamers uh, coming online every day, which is just a ridiculous number. Uh, one question I wanted to ask about that particular number, would it be right to say a very large portion of that is uh, mobile gamers, i.e. Uh, cell phone gamers? Is that correct to say? Absolutely. I mean, I know that you you, you also, uh, you know your stuff, right? And this is, this is correct. Huh? Obviously mobile gaming, but imagine... The, the role of mobile, whenever I get these reports of how many hours a day I uh, basically use my phone for what, I mean, maybe similar for all of us, uh, everything happens there and this is no news and I don't try to be scientific on this one, we all know it. But obviously, logically, um, um, there is games developed and there's amazing publishers just developing games for, for, for the smartphone, for, for the cell phone, right? Uh, but also looking at, uh, at least my point of view, might be better research out there, but also from a gender perspective. Um, yes, these majority of these new gamers are, are mobile, but also um, um, when you look at PC gamers or console, it's pretty male driven. But from a mobile perspective, imagine just a few years further, um, I my hypothesis would be female gamers playing professional esports on mobile. This is where where i think the this this is going obviously this is from consoles you can pretty much any hardware oculus cell phone cloud gaming there's a couple of trends i'm aware about the whole gender thing which which really is affected by mobile phones and this becoming esports and i know obviously korea and some of the better people researched it uh, this is happening so yes it's mobile but it's also having then the, the whole gender part making this not only male guys in the dark basements anymore, this is actually um, coming out of there. So if I had $100 million, I was a VC and I had $100 million and I want to invest in, in the gaming industry and or the esports industry, tell us in your opinion, what are the top three maybe or top five uh, areas in which we should be looking? Who, who's who's going to get the biggest piece of this currently 200 million dollar pie 200 billion dollar pie so the the biggest um and i might not be quoting these exact numbers so i don't tell them is obviously there's a hardware software component right it's from these 170 billion you have a majority putting into into uh, the software meaning the, the pay to place the publishers uh, offering pay to place and I'm not sure whether these numbers are correct, but I think there was something about EA makes makes in the first hundred hours a few hundred million just on when they release the new game. So there's a software game component into it. Mm. Is that what you mean by pay to play? Buying, yeah, buying sorry, the sorry, software. But yes, exactly. You buy you buy FIFA or exactly. Sorry for this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to understand why I should be buying a 50 pound crossy road. What animal an yeah, Animal yeah, Crossing? Yeah. Uh, uh, for for my nine year old. Yeah, I mean, this, very expensive. It, it is, and these different models there right now. I mean, this is also what we see in this uh, um, FIFA play, where you have the pay to play component, but I also see then then the trends of uh, free to play, whether it's the Fortnite's or you then do in app uh, games. So I'm not saying one. Of, I think the yeah. publishers making making an amazing job. To be honest, growing from or even Epic. I mean, there's amazing players out there and showing what kids actually want and what is a big, big, big junk of, of the succession, I would say, is uh, um, the success is that they actually build it with the, with the game or the community. So it's, it's really these things grow like any good good project actually grows from the inside, meaning the, the, the consumers. Um, so this is a, a big portion is the, the publisher, the software component. 
Second right. portion, obviously, a huge one is obviously hardware, right? So with your studios here in, in, in our office, um, uh, just knowing what 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 uh, the team sometimes wants in terms of hardware, um, there's there's amazing players obviously out there. Um, um, this is a second big big portion because you need to not only have your console for PS5. All our players uh, think uh, launched actually or uh, did their the Instagram feed and stories and live demos and unpacking with the PS5 and obviously same on, on on Xbox. But this is a big component. Secondly. And this, not sure about the percentage, but it makes a big, big, big portion. Thirdly, obviously, what, what we see is um, the, the tournaments, the events here. So people, I mean, I just referenced pre-COVID, uh, 20,000 even here in, in Germany going into, into venues and following the heroes. Um, this is a big portion. Questions how that um, will be continuing. And there's definitely a post-COVID time. So these things will, will not go away, at least my, my assumption. Um, so this is a third big part. And there's some other smaller industries or, or services, let's call it, um, um, in this industry where, you know, uh, supplementals come up. Um, people want to be having specific gaming supplementals to actually boost their uh, performance from sleeping pills, from concentration powder, from less headache, uh, smaller niche niche categories like this. You got um, a media um this, this grows really fast. So how do you spend uh, actually money then for a digital product like, like ours? Um, this is part of the equation. Merchandising, which we, this is not a core for us, but we got requests for, for um, merchandising. Um, so there's a couple of smaller ones coming and growing. Whether this number is in these dimensions you mentioned, this is be growing at, I think, 11.9 is at least the new zoo source number I'm, I'm referring to from last year. Um, it's just growing faster, knowing the next months and, and then happening in, during COVID. So there will be um, boosted or growth in, in these main categories, but obviously for the for the overall pie as such. Philip, to you know, close us off here, a couple of sort of final questions as you kind of look at the industry and your canvas, you know, you know, the next you know decade or so. What what excites you and what concerns you about you know esports? I guess um, the first thing what excites me is um, I'm as a person, I just love new things. I, I like progression. I like taking a risk. I like changes. That's why my, my, my personal life also had, had some, some um, pivots, I'd say. So I like someone is new on the block and disrupts the system. So newness excites me um, in actually every aspect. This is happening right now. This doesn't mean this is a substitute. It complements. It needs to complement. And and COVID and some other aspects like like the mentioned, would just um, speed it up. So exciting for me is is this progression into new things, trying it and and not pretending to be perfect. This is this is there's things not so good, and there's obviously studies against some of the elements. And that this is one one aspect of I love newness uh, and and uh, trying something and progression. On on the side, what what concerns me um, is. Obviously, uh, the, the society as such um, just needs to accept that gaming esports is there. It's it's pretty much like a smartphone was new. And back then, you know, you had horses and then the cars came, right? This is just there already. Let's, let's learn from it. So uh, this is typical human behavior of new things are a little bit... Um, um, threatening, potentially, the status quo. And, and the concerning part is... Um, Let's be open to this. Uh, uh, there is some aspects people need to do still sports, right? Uh, fresh air is always important. We need our global world. And um, that is part of how society will, concerns with it, how society puts it in one corner while it's already in the middle of our um, future, meaning the next generation. You cannot just say this is bad, this is good. Um, so this concerns me a little how society um, hasn't um, understood this. This is the next generation. They behave and consume um, uh, differently. Yeah, hundred percent, Philip. Thank you so much. This has been super informative. Stay safe. Thank you so much for having me, Philip. Thank you, thank you for joining us, Philip. Very, very interesting. Thank you. Thanks, Philip. Appreciate you. All right. Yeah, it was good. Great stuff. conversation. What do you guys yeah. think? That was uh, that was very interesting. He's a smart guy. He seemed to know everything about his industry yeah. in such a short good period stuff. of time.
Yeah, and we're going to be hearing more about esports for sure. I mean, this is this is just at the start, I think, and uh, and it's also a big demographic shift. I think we're you know as as just you know as younger people become yes, older, definitely. this will become kind of the thing, right? So anyway, um, gentlemen, I have our come on, man, for this mm -hmm. week. Are you guys Let's ready? Do it. We're ready. I am ready. Okay, so. Um, this is going to take us into the world of uh, competitive pigeon racing. <laughs> can, before you say another word, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> why, why are you laughing? You, have oh, you never really? raced pigeons so the before? London, guy, London guys got pigeons everywhere, <laughs> right? So, so we, we originated the pigeoning. We actually, on, pigeon racing here for me is, is running away from the pigeon poop <laughs> that... Uh, <laughs> oh. Trafalgar Square, you know, oh. all these other monuments we have around here. So, Go ahead, Vlad. So basically, basically where where we're heading with this is that um uh Belgium, Belgium is uh, apparently uh. the center of the world when it comes to competitive pigeon sure. breeding. And there was a uh an auction recently uh for uh, this whole kind of, you know, um, I don't know what, what, what you call it, a flock or a school <laughs> or, or a group of pigeons that this gentleman who <laughs> maybe uh, just recently passed away, uh, Gaston okay. van der Voer, uh, he retired and he sold uh, basically his entire famed pigeon coop, all 445 okay. birds. One of these birds, a hen called <laughs> New Kim, Fetched one point <laughs> nine million dollars, and on. it was purchased by two Come wealthy on. Chinese bidders who wanted to. <laughs> what a surprise! A Chinese bought something. Uh, I'm so who shocked to, to hear remain this. anonymous. They wanted to remain anonymous. Uh, their pseudonyms were Super Duper and Hitman. So Super Duper and Hitman paid one point nine million dollars or one point six million euros for. New Kim. Um, the year before, it is presumed that they also paid about $325,000 for one of its uh, predecessor oh, called yeah. Armando. So Armando sure. caught uh, $325,000, and that was sure. that was the high watermark from the year before. But now, now it's New Kim, and they think they're going to start, you know, breeding them. Um, but this is serious. This is a serious sport, actually. So you know, we we might be. Joking, joking and wow. stuff. Um, and and this is a quote. <laughs> this is a quote Jeez. from an AP article. Uh, the, so this is a gentleman who was who was doing doing the sale, and he basically said, "Anybody thinking about getting into our sport to get money out of it, better think again yeah. and move to another sport." Come on, man. I have Come two on. words for you guys: pigeon <laughs> soup. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, man. Uh, this. This That's I don't all know. I have to say this. This well, we'll see. Come on. We'll see. We'll see. All all of a sudden, there's <laughs> there's going to be a whole new thing. You know, maybe maybe. Come on. We'll see. We'll see. That was a good show. All right. Well, that was a good show. <laughs> <laughs> we'll end. We'll game. end on that. We'll end on that. So, good game. Good, good game, game, Mike. Good game, game, game yeah, on Pleasure. Enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in and listening to our show again this week. If you like what we have to say, please subscribe, tell your friends, tell your family, and write us a review. Send us a note. We'll be happy to hear from you and happy to hear ideas how we can be on point even better. Please hit us up on uh, Instagram. Hit us up on Twitter because we know you guys are out there in social media Let's do land. It. We'll see you next week, guys. Cheers. Take care, guys.